cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert. The story. Headline. The spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image, promote your products, create expert status, become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101, crisis management, media blitzing, it's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Welcome to this very special edition of Cover Story. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin, and as you know, this is my favorite time of year because we are focusing on the Silver Anvil Series Awards. So today I'd like to welcome a very special guest, Sherry Goldman. She is the president of Goldman Communications, and she is also the chair for the PRSA Honors and Awards Committee. Uh, she's worked on the Writers Guild strike. She is uh, herself a Silver Anvil uh, Series winner. So without further ado, let me bring on Sherry. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you. How long have you been chairing this committee? Is this is actually my only year chairing. Um, I've been on the Honors and Awards Committee, I believe now, gosh, for six or seven years. And, and truly, as a, as a member, I've been a member of the Public Relations Society of America, oh, probably since I started my PR career, which is 20-some-odd years ago. I hate to admit how oh, my I am. Goodness. But, um, you, you get more out of it when you get involved and you volunteer as versus just being a member. So many, many, I, many years ago, I was on the, new, the board of directors for the New York chapter, and then I sort of moved up to national and got recruit Judge Silver Anvil for many years and got recruited to be on the Honors and Awards Committee. And it's a great group of people, senior practitioners. There's about 15 or so of us um, from around the country and all different walks of the industry, whether agency or government or corporate or educators. Um, and we administer PRSAs. Four awards programs, the Silver Anvil Awards, which recognizes the best programs of the year, the Bronze Anvil Awards, which recognizes the best tactics of the year, the Individual Awards, where we look at individuals in certain avenues for Educator of the Year, Public Service of the Year, that kind of thing, and we picked the PR Pro of the Year Award, which this past week we also gave out. And I've been on the committee for a number of years and sort of moved up, and this year I am honors and awards chair, and it's a great committee to be a chair of, a great group of people to work with, and it's certainly, the awards are probably the biggest showcase, or one of the biggest showcases of PRSA in general. I mean, to me, this, what an honor to be able to chair this this It is, it is an honor. It's great to be able to work with these people. It's tremendous to get to see and recognize the great work that's being done in the public relations industry in all sectors. I, as I said, I became involved and I initially started judging. And one of the fabulous things about being a judge is to sort of get to be a voyeur in other people's programs and see the great work that's being done across the industry. And it just gets, got me more enthused and more excited and want to be more involved. And there's Which tremendous I think is- work being done. 
Well, I mean, Mike, first of all, I think it's so important to give back to a community you benefit from. And then to be able to, like you said, be a voyeur. So let's talk about a little bit of the genesis because you have been exposed um, to the silver anvils and the bronze anvils um, and, you know, all of the awards programs at the PRSA for a good amount of time now. Let's talk about the evolution over the past five years, where you're seeing the real sticking points with these campaigns that make it to finalist status. You know what? I don't know that I see an evolution. I'm sorry about that. I think what has changed is maybe we have more categories. This year we awarded silver anvils, again, for programs in 59 different categories. We had 108 finalists in 59 categories, and I guess there were 59 silver anvils awarded. Um, Over the past couple of years, new categories that have sort of popped up in programming have become more integrated communications and reputation management. But certain programs are the basic foundation of the public relations industry, and they will always be here. The old marketing consumer products, you know, launch of new products and services, consumer marketing, business-to-business services, community relations, crisis management, special events. We award them for over seven days and under seven days in a variety of categories for packaged good companies or services or things like that. And that does remain staple stables, staples, I should say, of the public relations industry and will continue to be. But, I mean, have you seen, I mean, because with the advent, of course, of the Internet, that the campaigns that are more successful are employing more, you know, I've been sort of yelled at for calling them non-traditional, but employing both like online and offline or traditional and non-traditional methods together? I I do think successful campaigns now look at reaching target audiences in in a more diverse manner, and certainly um, you have to look at reaching constituents in other manners that may be more traditional than publicity. But the Public Relations Silver Anvil Awards awards recognizes the most comprehensive programs that really are based upon, the program is based upon some kind of research, and it could be primary or secondary research in terms of what was the issue, what was the idea or program that you recommended, and then it has to have good planning, identifying target audiences, and measurable objectives, terrific implementation, and certainly it's not just a publicity campaign, and then measurable results. So certainly when you look at the changing demographics or the changing world, communications world that we live in today, yes, I think one of the avenues of publicity that is now incorporated might be more blogs or online media, certainly, you know, Video, interactive, all of that is more commonplace, but that doesn't make a good PR program, but that tends to be more common than it would have been years ago. Absolutely. Now, for you, what is your favorite PR campaign of all time? Probably the program, one of the most brilliant programs that I worked on that won a word of excellence for the Silver Anvils many years ago, which was the Glad Bagathon program, which was a public sector, private sector partnership program between Glad Bags and Keep America Beautiful that taught people about solid waste management and involved a million people every year in 100 cities learning how to pick up trash from public lands and recycle and all about their responsibilities in that. We won awards from the U.S. Department of the Interior. Um, It got entree into mayors and governors and tremendous recognition that helped launch bag-based recycling in North America that I got to do. So I, I think for me personally, and that was a program that I managed for seven years, that was 
my all-time favorite and I think one of the smartest programs in the industry. Good for you. Well, I mean, and, and once again, giving back to a community that you benefit from, helping make things, you know, making America a more beautiful it, place. It I think does help, but you know, sometimes if you're just doing cookies and, you know, I did, you know, the launch of Orange and the Soda in America, sometimes it depends on what the client is. There's only so much you can do. I mean, one of my clients this year is the Writers Guild of America. I just came off the five-and-a-half-month strike, so I don't know if you're giving back, but I did all the crisis communications for the writer's strike. So okay, it's so a what your clients are. Right. No, absolutely. Which is getting down to the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. understanding, like you said, once again, what their goals are, what they're trying to achieve, right. understanding the research behind that, and then putting in place not just outcomes, I mean, outputs, I should say, but outcomes, mm-hmm. which is so but very... You, but you did bring up a good point, and the best of Silver Anvil this year, and... Um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead for you, but of all the Silver Anvil winners, what the honors, what a subcommittee, or I shouldn't say a subcommittee, when all the Silver Anvil winners are chosen, there is a special committee that is put together of some of the most senior practitioners in the industry with no conflicts, um, who may or may not have been Silver Anvil judges, to evaluate all of the winning Silver Anvil programs and pick the best of the best. And this year we picked the Little Caesars Veterans Program, which was named the best of the best, which was run by Little Caesar Enterprises. Um, And it is just a great, great example of how good corporate citizenship is good public relations and also good for business. It's just an exemplary program and certainly a fine representation of what the best of public relations are that we awarded them the best of this year. That's so exciting. And we're going to have them on as a featured guest on Cover Story, so we're very much looking forward to that. Sherry Goldman, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure. All right, everyone. We'll be right back right after this very short commercial break. Stick around. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. Don't be fooled by your web analytics. If you think your web analytics are giving you all the information needed to manage your paid search accounts, you'd be shocked to see what they're not telling you. How are you tracking sales received over the phone that resulted from your PPC ads? Now, you can track call-in sales by campaign, search engine, and keyword with engine-ready call analytics. Optimize top spending keywords with more accurate tracking and achieve higher PPC profitability. Get started now tracking your PPC call and sales with Engine Ready Call Analytics. Visit EngineReady.com to see how easy and inexpensive accurate call and tracking can be. EngineReady.com Need help improving your PPC campaigns? Tired of spending all your time swamped with spreadsheets and manual updates? Turn to Adapt SEM software to optimize your campaigns and to reach your goals. Adapt SEM is one of the most affordable and reliable tools on the market for improving PPC campaigns. Adapt SEM not only optimizes your bids, but also gives you keyword suggestions, competitive research, and helps to test ads all in one place at flat rate pricing and no long-term commitments. Learn how Adapt SEM can help manage your PPC campaigns better. Check out our free webinar at adapt.com slash webmaster radio. Sign up now for a free personal tour. Adapt.com slash webmaster radio. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, Here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting at a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. 
I think we need to go somewhere else. It's easy to feel forgotten, especially when your advertising budget is on the line. LookSmart serves up to 400 million queries a day with a side of the best customer service in the online advertising industry. Hi, how are y'all doing today? What can I get you folks to eat? You were right. This place is so much better. LookSmart, premium and performance advertising solutions. SEO 101 is now in session. Today's topic is duplicate content. Today's topic is duplicate content. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) You jag dork. (laughs) It just needed to be done. I'm sorry. (laughs) New episodes Mondays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And check out their live broadcast Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome to the Webmaster Institute for Financial Advancement, webmasterradio.fm. It's like radio with a Ph.D. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. All right, everyone, welcome back to this very special edition of Cover Story with continuing coverage of the Silver Anvil series for the Public Relations Society of America. And uh, we have a big winner with us uh, today. It is Robin Crawford, who is the Senior Vice President for Reuter Finn, and they won events and observances more than seven days. It's 4C government. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is so. How do you feel? You won. <laughs> it's it was a, such an honor to receive the silver anvil for this, the Jamestown events, and um, really the recognition for the eighteen months of hard work that that the Reuter Finn and the Jamestown team put into the the anniversary weekend and America's four hundredth anniversary events. Which is so exciting. And for everyone, um, because I'm, I'm big into congratulations, you just had a baby and this was your first, what a great way to re-enter the workplace. This was your first um, business outing was to receive this award, correct? It was. It was, um, you know, a little bittersweet, leaving my baby, going, coming from Washington to New York to get, but then getting the award was the sweet part. So um, it, was, it was really a nice way to, to sort of ease back into the, the workforce after being away for a couple of months. With all sorts of confetti and, and celebration. That's terrific. Yeah. And champagne. And champagne. Did you have a lot of champagne? Not a lot. I can't say that I, I um, <laughs> have very much anymore, but <laughs> I certainly had a glass. <laughs> Good for you. As long as there was a clinking of glasses, then we're, we're, we put a big uh, seal of approval on it from Webmaster Radio. So let me go back. I'm going to read to everyone um, the situation analysis for your campaign, and I would love for everyone to keep one thing in mind. Um, for this campaign, when asked in 2007, America will commemorate what significant historic event? Only 1% of respondents accurately responded Jamestown. All right, everyone. We are going to read the situation analysis, and I think the really exciting part of this campaign as uh, the research, when they did the research for this campaign, uh, in 2007, America will commemorate what significant historic event? Only 1% of respondents accurately responded Jamestown. 
Uh, the challenge was abundantly clear. Campaign objectives were to dramatically increase and sustain media and public awareness of the Jamestown sites and this historic commemoration, publicize and encourage participation in all commemoration events, and drive visitation to Jamestown and Virginia. So, in 2007, the United States engaged in one of the most significant remembrances in its history, the commemoration of the 400th anniversary of Jamestown, Virginia, the New World's first permanent English settlement. The Commonwealth of Virginia recognized this historic anniversary as an opportunity to draw national and international attention to the region as a prime tourist attraction. Jamestown 2007, an agency of the Commonwealth of Virginia, hired Ruder Finn, yay Robin, to design and execute an awareness campaign that would garner massive public attention for America's 400th anniversary, an 18-month commemoration consisting of 10 colorful, high-profile signature events. These signature events highlighted Jamestown's legacies of free enterprise, cultural diversity, and democracy, as well as the accomplishments and perseverance of the Virginian Indian, European, and African-American cultures that first enriched the Jamestown colony. Signature events included the 2006 Godspeed sale, Yorkstown 225th anniversary, Virginia Indians 400 years of survival, Jamestown Live, African American imprint on America, the world 1607 journey up the James, Smithsonian Folklife Festival, American Indian Intertribal Festival, and the forums on the future of democracy. Ah, to attract the broad set possible national and international media interest and to catapult the Jamestown sites to the forefront of American consciousness, several challenges needed to be overcome, including, which we will talk about. Wow. That's a huge undertaking, Robin. It was a busy 18 months, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, and it was, as you set it up, you know, the description of, and the situation analysis up, there was very little public understanding or knowledge of Jamestown. People had heard maybe of John Smith and Pocahontas, but the organization of Jamestown 2007 was really looking to talk about the new discoveries at Jamestown, what, what visitors would find at Jamestown. And it's very different from the, the John Smith and Pocahontas story or the Disney movie you've seen. Um, it's a very new place with a lot of new scientific discoveries that are going on. Um, and it was a great opportunity to help share this very important piece of American history with the country and, and people around the world. Which is so important, especially when you take a look and you see its historical significance, but most Americans didn't recognize it for its historical significance. So that's a huge challenge in and of itself. It, it really was. If you asked people, you know, if they knew about Plymouth Rock and um, where the first settlers landed, well, in right. fact, the first permanent English settlement was Jamestown, um, Virginia, and was the seat of government um, was there for, for our country and then moved to Williamsburg, um, and which was the, the seat of government for the country for a number of years and really is where our country's... Um, Democracy, legacies of democracy, and cultural diversity and free enterprise came from. Which is incredible, because I'm from Massachusetts, and to be honest with you, when I think of, you know, our country's historical wealth and, and, and you know, beginnings, I think of Massachusetts. So this has been a, a nice education for me as well. Um, but let's talk about now, there's a lot of, first of all, you guys had, um, you charged a fee of 575000 so that was basically your, um, your budget internally to be able to market and manage this for them, correct? 
That's right. Okay. And on top of that, you had to work with, and I think if, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to really focus on this because I think this is um, really big in, in having to understand um, uh, taking a project like this and move it forward, that, that not only did you have the charter to develop and deploy this and create all of this education awareness, you really weren't, quote unquote, working for one client. You had 40 different organizations with 40 different charters and agendas to appease. That's one very important, from a PR practitioner's perspective, that's one very important aspect of this, this entire program. There's 40 different partner organizations that came, to, came together, and they decided that James, this, the commemoration of Jamestown's 400th anniversary was very important to them. But again, each had their own mission, their own charter, and things were different aspects were very different to all of them. So getting all those groups to agree on our approach, getting all those groups to participate in our media outreach um, and work together was really something that, that we are proud to be able to have done. Um, it wasn't always easy, but it was something that we were very focused on because we all worked so much better together than in separate, disparate ways. Absolutely. How do you lay the foundation for something like that? Well, you do a lot of, of communicating, <laughs> probably over-communicating, and um, a, lot of, a lot of conference calls, making sure everyone's bought into and, and well aware of what is go- coming along. You also have to make sure that everyone gets their moment in the sun, that it's not just focusing on one aspect of the commemoration, but there's so many different disparate pieces of of the commemoration that you need to make sure that you share the wealth in terms of media coverage, in terms of interviews, um, and we were very cognizant of that. We wanted to make sure that everyone, you know, we didn't wait, we didn't push too hard on one group, but everyone sort of shared in, in the time that they spent and the effort that they spent in promoting all of the events around Jamestown's 400th anniversary, because if it was just one organization we were, we were leaning on, we'd wear them out pretty quickly because (laughs) there were so many different things going on. Which, now, so how were you able to, I mean, because all of these organizations probably also had um, a lot to contribute. So how did you go and fact find in regard to what each organization could bring to the table from a communications and PR standpoint? So you weren't having people, you know, do double duty, so to speak, and you could take advantage of, um, you know, the relationships and the outreach that were strong that they'd already created? Well, we had to very early on make sure that, that people knew that everyone was playing on the same team. Um, and that was, that was very important because sometimes PR people can be territorial, but then also making sure that we had a forum um, and open communication to be able to share with the communicators within these 40 organizations um, so that we knew what was coming along um, in terms of coverage, what we might be able and offer up, what we might be able to add in to upcoming coverage that would on- only bolster the coverage of Jamestown. Additionally, we were um, really cognizant of making sh- of continuing to probe with each of these organizations on what might be up and coming. So as we're talking to our variety of, of media contacts, we were able to toss people different storylines instead of 
you know, seeing the same, offering it the same storyline, the same expert to all the top-tier publications. It was wonderful to be able to, to offer a very different story or a very different aspect of the commemoration to top-tier outlets. So let me ask you, because this is something that's obviously sort of near and dear to my heart. Jamestown Live, which was an international educational webcast, um, brought the America's 400th anniversary to life for more than a million students and educators globally. Using Jamestown as the backdrop, this hour-long educational webcast communicated communicated its legacies of exploration, cultural diversity, and democracy. Um, And you guys secured more than 175 media placements and outlets across the country, reaching an audience of more than 102 million people. You know, first of all, the outreach, you know, how you decided to to reach out to students, which I think is important that they understand the history of our country, um, and then how you came up with the number of, of, for the reach. The reach was um, through a webcast in terms of we had more than a million students and teachers uh, logging on from around the world. Um, The whole idea came about because this is such an important program and Jamestown is the history of of our country is really something that we wanted to make sure that future generations knew about and were interested in coming to visit and see what's actually happening at Jamestown, both in the Living History Museum, at Jamestown Settlement, as well as the archaeological dig um, at Jamestown Island. Um, And we used both of those settings to engage students from around the world um, it wasn't just the United States that folks logged in. It was from military bases and, and schools around the world. Um, so it was it was quite an undertaking, um, and and the, the webcast was wonderful too because then it really gave us a, a record of the event in perpetuity, and we were able to share that to folks that maybe couldn't make the actual event um, through online vehicles. Which is very exciting. Now, can people still reach that webcast if they want to listen to it now, for example? Yeah, we had that up for quite a while. I'm not sure if it's still up. Um, That's a good question. If it it is, it would be um, at americas400thanniversary.com. Okay, terrific. And how are you, but how are you able to, how many people actually logged in and listened to this webcast? Do you have those numbers? We had, um, let's see, I, will, I think we, we used a little bit of a multiplier in assuming that classrooms were about 20. Mm-hmm. So we had, pro, you know, half a million actual logins. That's exciting. Now, did you, did you broadcast this live or was it on demand it was, originally? We broadcast it live. God, that's so, so exciting. Had- and then... We had a satellite feed where, where people were getting it directly. A lot of the, you know, we had newsrooms around the country that were getting the, the footage live um, in addition to the actual webcast. Oh, good for you. That's, I mean, that's super exciting. And, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, Robin, let's talk a little bit about uh, the evaluation of the program, how much lift you were able to get for your 18 months of, uh, of endurance and innovation. We had a tremendous impact, and, and by all accounts, um, of our from our forty partner organizations, this uh, the whole commemoration, all eighteen months, were an overwhelming success. We were able to make in-person impressions with more than 
um, half a million individuals on our Godspeed sale alone, which is um, was a six-port sale up the East Coast on one of the replica ships from the Jamestown Settlement. We secured more than 24,000 placements in top-tier media outlets, with an es- reaching an estimated audience of more than 12.6 billion individuals in the United States and around the world. Um, that you know, numbers like that <laughs> are are wonderful to to get, and, and we really generated a ton of of national and international attention, which was was wonderful. Um, for the program and for for Jamestown and for the state of Virginia, um, we also measured the success in the increase in visitation. Historic Jamestown sites passed the one million mark, um, one million visitor mark in November two thousand seven, which is Exciting. a forty four percent increase over two thousand six, which is huge. And the, and the sites are continuing to see that increase in visitation. That's phenomenal. And then going back to uh, a post-event survey, you know, we discussed at the, at the opening of the interview that 1% of people um, understood what Jamestown was. Now that number jumped to 39%. That's huge. Getting, receiving the results of that survey were just overwhelming. It was, it was wonderful to, to have really jumped perceptions and, and recognition around the around the country of Jamestown and what was really a very not very well known historical site to folks around the country, really knowing what Jamestown was. If you know, if they didn't read the, the news articles, they at least had seen our ship on um, in the news coverage, and we really were able to to permeate a variety of different media outlet types. Um, using mm-hmm. a number of different vehicles, so it wasn't just n- news media. It was all sorts of different verticals that that Jamestown permeated, which is so exciting. Leah, for you, what is your most proud accomplishment in this campaign? What was your favorite part of this campaign to work on? Um, oh, for eighteen months, I, I the the whole. The whole program was, this is actually why I took my, the job <laughs> with Reuter Finn. There was an opportunity to work on this program. Um, it, I, as a, a native Virginian, I, it was wonderful to be able to promote the state of Virginia, to promote um, a really important historical place um, and event in Jamestown. Um, working with our client was, was wonderful. They were, they were just the, the dream client. Um, I I really enjoyed work um, the Godspeed sale promotion. That was really wonderful to both see folks' faces when this square rig ship appeared on the in, in their horizon. Harbor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, sailing into the port of New York when we had fire ships basically saluting us and, and spraying their their spray and, and coming in front of the Statue of Liberty. Um, that was probably my, my very favorite moment. And being aboard the Godspeed um, the weekend before 4th of July was, was outstanding. I, you know, I mean, what an amazing life experience. And to know that Bruder Finn was, you know, recreating history all over again, too. It must have been such a thrill. It, it certainly was. 
Yeah, this is so exciting. Uh, Robin Crawford, congratulations again on uh, winning the very coveted uh, Silver Anvil Award for this year, 2008. And uh, congratulations on you being able to work on something that's so near and dear to your heart and to win the award. That, well, thank you, Brandy. It was, it was quite an honor to both work on the program and to, um, to get the award. Which is terrific. So for, for people listening who may not, um, you know, Robin, for people listening, what is the best uh, advice you can give people for evaluating, uh, like, the best tactics and strategies for starting a PR campaign, not to mention an award-winning PR campaign? The best way to, to approach the, the tactics and the, the strategies I, I really is looking at your audience, looking, what, looking at what's going to resonate with them, having a variety of different story angles to take out to your, your audiences, um, not getting so hung up on, on making sure that everything has to be at, you know, at the first outing, has to be the top-tier media push building that platform, building the awareness at the, at the um, ground level really helps you to leverage up to get to those, those stories that are, are worthy of top-tier national media coverage and using your resources as best you possibly can, you know, making sure they're groomed, they're ready for your interviews, that you have a variety of different pieces of information, of different visuals that you can share with the media so that you're not pitching the very same story to everybody that you're giving different slices of the pie to all the, the folks that are important to you. Sp- speaking about pieces of pie, talk about American pie, a nice slice of American pie. Robin Crawford, Senior Vice President of Ruderfin. Congratulations again on winning your Silver Anvil Award for this year. I think it's so super exciting, and I think it's exciting that Ruderfin and yourself get to go down in the annals of history uh, for this award-winning uh, campaign. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. For those of you... Uh, who are looking for more information, you can actually see the submission uh, that Ruder Finn put in to get their winning uh, campaign over at the PRSA.org. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome to Madame Natalia's. You've come to have your future told, no? Yeah, you see, I'm looking for the right life insurance affiliate program, and I have... Say no more. I see you working with AccuQuote. AccuQuote? Yes, AccuQuote. They are the nation's premier life insurance brokerage. Go on. AccuQuote will create custom creatives for you to optimize your eCPM and... They will offer you the highest payout for this offer anywhere. So when's all this going to happen? As soon as you visit AccuQuote.com. For life insurance, visit AccuQuote.com. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic with over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield. 
With their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search. ABCSearch.com. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Market Edge with Larry Weber. The future of the World Wide Web with Steve Bratt, who runs the World Wide Web Consortium. We're really in the stage where beyond innovation, getting close to the end of the early adopter stage, and getting to the point where if it's going to really take off in the adoption cycle, I think we're going to see some things happen in the next uh, year or two. Market Edge with Larry Weber, Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and on demand after the show inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Warning. Listening to WebmasterRadio.fm daily may cause Webmaster insomnia and an increase in your company's profits. WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay up with us all night long. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this very special edition of Cover Story, where we are focusing on the winners of the Silver Anvil series for the Public Relations Society of America. Everyone got to, uh, everyone who was anyone in the PR community was there on hand to, uh, to watch all of these fabulous campaigns win their awards. And best, the best campaign of this year goes to Little Caesars Veteran Program, was the integrated communications category business to business. We have with us today Catherine Oldham, Director of Communications for Little Caesars. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for having me. This is so terrific. You won. Not only did you win, you won big. It was a great evening, and we were really honored with the recognition that uh, the Little Caesars Veterans Program received. That is so terrific. Did you have an inkling? How did it feel to sit at that table, know that you were up for this award? Like, what did your gut say? Well, it was exciting. There was uh, a lot of anticipation and a lot of very good work there uh, that were being considered for that top honor. Yeah, which, isn't that nice when you're in great company and you're the one that gets to get up on stage? <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and it was great to represent the company and a program that makes a difference and that we're all really proud of. That is so terrific. So in a moment, we're going to get into that. But right now, I'm stuck on the festivity and the fun and the celebration of it all. How did you guys celebrate as a team afterwards? Well, we spent some time talking with our veteran franchisees who were with us. We had a couple, uh, Trish Evans and Robert Jones, who were part of the program. And they opened stores, uh, both of them actually in Georgia recently. And uh, so they were there with us, and uh, we had our president, Dave Scrivano, and Linda Jaworski, our vice president of marketing and corporate communications. And uh, we got the opportunity to speak to some of the PRSA folks and some of the other participants as well, which was a lot of fun. Good for you. Good for you. Any, any uh, champagne drinking? Just a little bit, yep. Just a little bit. You know, everyone that's come on here has been so socially, like, responsible. I had two sips just based on the fact that we were clinking glasses. <laughs> 
Well, we were looking to uh, try and get back to uh, the Stanley Cup Parade, which was here uh, the following day. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Our sister company, the Detroit Red Wings, brought home uh, the Stanley Cup, and we were really proud to bring home a little silver of our own with a silver anvil. What an amazing, like, what a banner week for you guys. It was excellent. Yeah, we were really happy. Yeah, I bet you still are. That's so terrific. Let me, I'm going to read the situation analysis for our listeners so they understand what we're playing with. Um, and then we're going to go into, we'll talk about the campaign itself. Because I think it's, it's um, what you've done is very, it is very important work. And it's exemplary. Um, and it's a great baseline for other companies to maybe jump on the bandwagon and give them back to a community they benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, so Litter, Little Caesars, Inc., the world's largest carryout pizza chain, established a Little Caesars veteran program on November 11th, 2006, to thank the men and women of the armed forces for their sacrifices and service and to provide them with business ownership opportunities. The program launched amidst continuous reports of the struggles of war-wounded veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan. Little Caesars founder Michael Illich, a Marine himself, recognized the challenges of this group and wanted to help them transition to civilian life. He read about Army Staff Sergeant Robbie Doherty, who lost his legs while serving in Iraq and was impressed by his attitude. After getting to know him uh, and to show his appreciation, Mr. Illich gave Doherty a franchise in his hometown of Paducah, Kentucky. Mr. Illich uh, then challenged Little Caesars management to create a program to make a difference for more veterans. The result is a Little Caesars Veterans Program, unique in the franchising industry. The primary challenge for Little Caesars was to reach veterans so they would be aware of the program and the potential business opportunity available to them. Recognizing this, Little Caesars crafted an integrated program which included not only partnerships, marketing campaign, and special events, but public relations activities which have been critical to driving results. The program has exceeded all goals and influenced other companies to consider how they can help veterans. It has also resulted in recognition with the highest honor to be bestowed upon a civilian by the Department of Veterans Affairs, Washington, D.C., which was presented to Mr. Illich by R. James Nicholson, Secretary of Veteran Affairs. Wow. Yes, it's been a, it's been a nice uh, transition for the last year and a half or so to launch the program and I have these milestone events that keep presenting themselves and provide us with more opportunities to promote the program and spread the word about the program to more veterans. Which I think, which is so great. So let's go back to the beginning. So, you know, first you have, uh, you know, your head of your company, Mr. Illich, who's a Marine. He has, like, he understands what these people are going through and says, I want to do something to help. But first you guys have to look at things from, from a business standpoint. And, you know, from your research, you guys did an online study that said, you know, let's, let's see how people feel about us reaching out and helping this population, Correct. Well, first we decided to do the program, and Mr. Illich felt strongly about that. He had been injured years and years ago uh, when he was in the minor league of the uh, Detroit Tigers, and um, he never forgot what it felt like to be at a crossroads in his life and to be at a point where uh, he wasn't sure what to do next and was looking for opportunities, and he ended up starting Little Caesars, and I'd say things worked out pretty well. Right. But he never forgot that feeling. And so when he read about Robbie Doty, in USA Today, and uh, really, you know, his story resonated with Mr. Illich, and he wanted to do something for him. He got to know him, and then uh, once he, Robbie opened his store that Mr. Illich gave him, Mr. Illich really wanted to do more for more veterans. So that's how we decided to create the program. We did do the research, and the intent there was to help us uh, gauge uh, attitude toward that and understand 
uh, public perception there, but the intent was to always was to do launch it. the program from the beginning. Yeah, which is great. So no matter what you guys were launching the program, but I think also very important is if you if you are going to launch this program, how are you going to do it so that it's the most well received? Correct. Yes, and we got a lot of input from other organizations as well. And one of the things that's been so terrific about the Little Caesars Veterans Program and having the opportunity to be on the steering committee for it and then help publicize it was that it really created an opportunity to open a dialogue across different departments within Little Caesars and then also with other organizations. And we worked with several organizations as we started developing the program and spoke with many veterans uh, to get a sense of how we were thinking of positioning it and how that resonated with them. And some of the organizations we work with are the Center for Veterans Enterprise, which is part of the Department of Veterans Affairs, VetFran, which is part of the International Franchise Association, and Marine for Life, uh, which provides sailors and uh, Marines uh, transition assistance to civilian life. So we built a coalition internally and then also uh, networked with several organizations outside of Little Caesars so that we could get a good sense of uh, whether our messages were going to resonate with the veterans mm-hmm. so that they would you know, make sense to them. And also, as we were starting to set the program up, were we taking everything into consideration that we needed to? Right, right. So what did you find? What were some of the, the things that um, actually were misconceptions? That you thought, you know what, people, this isn't going to resonate with them. We need to change our messaging, but you guys are right on to begin with, or vice versa. One of the things that we realized, uh, we had initially been referring to it as the Little Caesars uh, Hero Program internally, Mm -hmm. because we view veterans as heroes. Uh, These people make great sacrifices, and so do their families, to defend our country and help us maintain our way of life. And to us, they're heroes. But one thing we learned as we talked to more veterans and more uh, active military personnel was they don't view themselves that way. They're way too humble for that. And in fact, they found it uncomfortable. So it was important that we name the program something that right off the bat they would be comfortable with or at least would not be uncomfortable with. And so that's why we named it the Little Caesars Veterans Program. Right. And plus, it's intuitive as well. It kind of states what it is. Right. And very um, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is, is very smart. Isn't it interesting? I'll, if you if you call me a hero, I'll take that moniker. <laughs> <laughs> I think many of us would. Exactly, except for those who I guess really are heroes. <laughs> right. So, those those will not don the red cape, but that's okay. Um, so so very interesting. So you actually, I mean, and the nice thing about this, from like a from a little Caesar standpoint, this really um, has worked. Like you made a comment earlier that. Um, it brought all of your internal departments working together, even though, you know, of course, you're all working together for the same goal. Now you're really working together in a completely different strategy than you had in the past. Yeah, Little Caesars has a very long history of giving back. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Illich started Little Caesars in 1959, which is almost 50 years ago now. And after just a couple of years of being in business, they started uh, the Hockey League, which has helped a lot of players uh, get through college uh, hockey and also become professionals. It's the, the biggest league uh, in, in the country, so they have a long history of that. We also have the Little Caesars Love Kitchen, which is a pizza kitchen on wheels, and it's an 18-wheeler big rig truck that travels the country providing hot pizza meals to the hungry and the homeless That's and fabulous. also has, has also gone to disaster areas across the country as they occur to uh, fed rescue workers close to the World Trade Center not long after that event. 
and the Oklahoma uh, City Federal Building, and also victims of Katrina. That's phenomenal. I mean, we're, we're big um, at Webmaster Radio into giving back to a community you benefit from, and we also very strongly believe that you can create programs where you're giving back, but that also benefit you too. Like, to me, that's a hero. Someone who has the ability to, you know, help cure um, a, a huge problem in society, whether it be, you know, whether it be a, a disease or, you know, a cause like the veterans having a, tra- you know, transitioning them from, from wartime to coming back and, and coming back into civilian life, but also benefiting themselves, you know, creating a win-win situation, um, which is what this it program... Does. It, it does. Little Caesars has a long history of giving back, and I think that is an element of the culture that our employees are really proud of mm-hmm. and really enjoy participating in. You know, they love the Love Kitchen, and a lot of employees have really worked hard to get the Little Caesars Veterans Program uh, off the ground and to make it successful and to help it keep growing. And that's something that they really enjoy seeing and being able to be a part of something uh, that is done for the right reasons and done to make a difference and not just to impact the bottom line. Right, absolutely. But, but speaking about impacting the bottom line, you do have to be fiscally responsible. So from what I understand, you have about 24 veteran stores that are going to be opening, six, I think, that have already opened, correct? Yes, we, ha- yes, we have uh, several that are open and many that are planning to open in the coming months. We have a little over 30 veterans who have become Little Caesars franchisees under the program, and uh, we're looking for more to be opening, as I said, in the coming months. Now, how, how have you structured this so that, obviously, it, it's a low-risk, low-entry, low-barrier to entry for the veterans, but also that, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, there's still rent to pay, you know, perishable food to pay for so that it becomes a lucrative experience, not only for the veteran and stability for the veteran, but also for you. Well, a veteran would qualify as a as any Little Caesars franchisee would, and veterans who are interested would go to the Center for Veterans Enterprise and uh, talk with them to learn more about the program and to understand um, about requirements and what the experience is like. We actually had our, our contact at Center for Veterans Enterprise come and work in a Little Caesars store for a day so that he would have a sense of what the environment's like, mm-hmm. and then he'd be in a better position to be able to answer questions and kind of uh, communicate that. And then uh, once they get to that point uh, uh, and, they, and they qualify, uh, then they have uh, additional opportunities to go through training. We have a uh, six-week training program, uh, which then helps them not only learn about the store operations, but the business side of it as well. And uh, as far as the benefits go for uh, veterans, the service-disabled veterans who have been injured are eligible, as they qualify, for a benefit of up to $68,000. And all veterans are uh, eligible for a benefit of about $10,000. And we work with our partners. We have several vendors who, once we started talking about the veterans program, wanted to participate in it. They liked the idea. They wanted to be part of it. They wanted to help make a difference. And so they have helped uh, us develop the elements that comprise that $68,000, which is uh, uh, modified financing requirements, uh, grant opening for the, um, uh, all the, the marketing elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, the financing, that's a big chunk of it. And then also... Uh, some other support from uh, Monster, uh, Pepsi, and then uh, Blue Line, our sister company that uh, provides food service distribution and equipment. 
uh, con- contributes, and we waive the franchising fee for the first store, too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I was going to ask you, I, you know, I see your partners on here, and I was going to ask you how you got your vendors involved and what it is that they actually brought to the table that would, um, you know, that would offset costs and allow this to be even a further success. So, like, what did people like Mars Advertising and Hart Hanks and, and Printworks, what did they, or, or Food Service Distribution, what did, uh, what, what did they bring to the table to help with the package? Well, we had, once we started talking more about the program with some of our vendors, they responded very strongly and really liked the opportunity to be part of something where they could make a difference. We waive uh, the franchising fee uh, off of the first store, Blue Line Food Service Distribution, which is our uh, sister company, uh, provides a $10,000 credit off of food and equipment from the first store. Uh, Crossroads Financial uh, offers uh, financing options. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pepsi provides the first uh, cooler full of Pepsi products. And then we have a variety of, um, of marketing suppliers, AdColor, Advo, uh, Printworks, um, and they provide different elements of the grand opening package as well as uh, Monster helps with recruitment. God, that's so terrific. That's so terrific. And, you know, in evaluation, your number one objective was to, to support veterans, helping them transition to civilian life and transition to a new career as a little Caesars franchisee. Um, since launching the program, as we mentioned, two dozen veterans have become franchise um, owners under the program. And uh, my goodness, you've received approximately 70,000 website hits and 1,400 inquiries as reported by the Center for Veterans Enterprise. That's right. I think the number of, of inquiries is up now a, a bit from there, but it continues to grow. And, uh, you know, we look to keep promoting the program so that we can reach more veterans. And the program, I think, really offers a win-win for Little Caesars and for the veterans. The yeah. veterans have a chance to own their own business. They get to make decisions on a daily basis that impact it and become involved in their community. And Little Caesars benefits by adding, adding you know, qualified franchisees who have a very strong personal commitment and integrity and a teamwork management style that they learned in the military. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a great marriage there. And you also, you know, you guys were the first people to do this, and you inspired um, other companies to do this as well. Since, uh, since you launched, and maybe there's others that we don't know about, um, Domino's Pizza launched a program a year after you, Zero Subs, um, Virginia Beach also established a program modeling yours. So... Um, you know, the night, I mean, that's really nice. You guys are absolutely, you know, you're carrying the gauntlet and the torch and showing people the right way. And then, of course, um, Mr. Illich was given uh, one of the highest honors. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, that was uh, a great day. Mr. Illich received the Secretary's Award from the Secretary of Veterans Affairs himself in a ceremony. And that's the highest award that a civilian uh, can be bestowed. And it really recognized the commitment that Mr. Illich has made to veterans and demonstrated that, you know, one person really can make a difference. And when you get more people together, you can make even more of a difference. Absolutely. And then and doing good also, not only it benefits the bottom line, it also benefits, um, you know, your, your entire staff is now even more enthusiastic to come to work because they get to be a part of, you know, they get to see a tangible result in making other people's lives terrific, you know, making them happy through their, their heart, their belly, and their wallets. That's a little Caesars. <laughs> exactly. And uh, watching these veterans become 
entrepreneurs has been really exciting. And they take a lot of the skills that they learned in the military, their leadership skills, and apply them in the Little Caesar store setting. And uh, to see them uh, become independent business people is really a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, because it's got to be scary to an extent, unless unless you want to be a a career military person, of, oh, my God, what do I do when I come home? And especially when your life has been so structured to come back to something that's so unstructured and know, now now knowing, you know, I get little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. <laughs> it's definitely a transition. And, um, you know, we're really honored to be able to provide an option to veterans who want to become entrepreneurs and be into business for themselves. That and we have a, a detailed training program uh, that helps very much with that transition. Yeah, so you're not just dropping them in and telling them to toss some pizza dough. <laughs> Right. There's training and there's ongoing training also. And there are also uh, other franchisees who are uh, very supportive and other veterans who have come in through the program and become franchisees um, really enjoy uh, mentoring and and providing uh, input to, to veterans who are thinking about making this transition. That is so awesome. Catherine Oldham, Director of Communications for Little Caesars, receiving the Best of Silver Anvil Award uh, for their program for the veterans. My goodness. I am so, you know what? I'm proud of you. Well, we're proud that the program has received the results that it has. Thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> and welcome. we hope other companies will take a look and see what they can do to um, provide opportunities for veterans. You know, because it makes sense. Like, it, 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 you achieved a lot of goals, right? Because, you know, you're opening up more stores. You're doing it, like you said, with people who are qualified um, to be able to run these stores. It's just, it's a win-win for everyone. I, I think it's an exemplary um, example of, of really how to maximize your business, your reach, your PR. I mean, you guys did, you did a, you did, you did a bang-up job, as my dad would say. <laughs> well, thank you. So, congratulations. It's, um, it's uh, we you know continue to get inquiries from veterans, and we're very happy about that because that's really what it's about is making a difference for them. And um, there are opportunities across the country because we're growing, and veterans who are interested should go to littlecaesars.com to learn more. Terrific. Well, you know, Catherine, hopefully we'll hear more from you in the coming months uh, because I think you guys definitely have an amazing insight into PR strategies and tactics. And we'd love to have you as a featured guest on Cover Story. And we'd love to join you. That sounds terrific. So enjoy. You guys had a banner week. Enjoy all the awards that you're winning and all your hard work that um, is being acknowledged in industry, big industry awards. Thank you. We appreciate it. So get off the line with me. Go celebrate. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Catherine, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thanks for having me. All right. Terrific. And um, we will be back next week. But, of course, we've got awesome programming here all day, every day, 24-7 on webmasterradio.fm.